0: Good evening and welcome to Meet the Artist Interviews. I'm your host, Charles McNeil, the Director of Education for the San Francisco Ballet. I'm very pleased to be here on this Friday evening, March 26th, 2010, recording from the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. I want to welcome all of our guests here this evening, those here in person and those who might eventually listen online. The Meet the Artist interviews, as well as Points of View lectures, are both produced by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. If you want to learn more about San Francisco Ballet, more about our adult education programs, you can visit us on the web at sfballet.org. Please allow me to introduce tonight's guest. And and let me preface it by saying, if if you can tell, there's something unusual going on here, and and I'm really excited about it. Tonight, you get to see John Neurmeyer's The Little Mermaid, and tonight we also get to have a pre-performance talk that focuses on music. A little background. The San Francisco Ballet, the oldest professional ballet company in America, was also the first dance company to have its permanent body of musicians. In October of 1975, the San Francisco Performing Arts Orchestra was founded to serve as the ballet's official orchestra. And it was in 1983 that the group changed its name to... The San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. Now, my first guest is acknowledged as one of the foremost conductors of ballet in the world. Born in Bolton, England, his music training includes studies at the St. Petersburg Conservatory of Music and at London's Royal Academy of Music. He has worked with the Cambridge Philharmonic, London Concert Orchestra, and Pimlico Opera, among many, many others. In 2004, he was appointed Principal Conductor of English National Ballet, a position he still holds today. And in 2005, Martin West was named Music Director and Principal Conductor of San Francisco Ballet. Please welcome Martin West. Good evening. (laughs) Also joining us tonight is a world-renowned theremin player. Now, the theremin is a unique instrument, and you're going to learn more about that in just a minute. But Carolina Eich was born in Berlin, Germany, where she began her training at the age of seven, and Miss Eich studied theremin under none other than Lydia Kovina, the grandniece of the instrument's inventor, Leon Theremin. She also plays piano and the violin, and the viola is also one of her main instruments. In 2005, Carolina won the Youth Composition Contest in Berlin, and in 2006, she won the Radio Berlin-Brandenburg International Composition Contest. She plays with orchestras, symphonies, and ensembles around the world, and she has her own instructional book called uh, The Art of Playing the Theremin. She also has a 2009 CD entitled Carolina Eich Theremin. Please welcome Carolina Eich. So that's a lot to get out in the very beginning, but thank you for letting me set that up. I just want to say welcome to all of you once again, and I'm, I'm so excited about this evening. And I want to start with Martin West, because uh, tonight uh, uh, is a continuation of the U.S. premiere of Hamburg ballet director and choreographer John Neuermeyer's The Little Mermaid. And this haunting and tragic tale concerns the intersection of two divergent worlds—
1: Tell me how you would describe this production, Mr. West. Uh, the production itself is uh, a fantastic spectacle of uh, modern dance theater um, uh, it 's underlined with with some very powerful music written by le Auerbach who 's a, a Russian lady who now lives in New York uh, i think she 's thirty seven or something like that she 's quite a young composer, quite prolific and uh, quite successful already and uh, you 'll hear tonight some extremely powerful music to go with a very powerful staging. Wonderful.
0: And we might also just, obviously, if you read your program notes, you'll find out, of course, this is based on the Hans Christian Andersen 1836 story of the same name. And as we talk about this production, I know that you mentioned Laura Auerbach, Laura Auerbach. Um, How does this music, how is it different? How is it special? And why is it so appropriate to this production?
1: Um, it's uh, it's very modern. I don't know how to. It's very densely, thickly orchestrated. The, I think the um, the first thing we have to say is it's not a a happy tale. The, the Little Mermaid is quite a dark tale in itself and has lots of uh, uh, inward uh, torment and things like that. And that's very re- uh, reflected in the music, which is uh, you'll see it has its lighter moments, nicer moments, but it's always underlined with this. Ad- dark sounds and, and uh sometimes piercing harmonies as well which uh, t- totally reflect what goes on on stage it's, it's a fantastic collaboration between the two i believe they work quite closely together uh, on the score and the libretto so that it really matches exactly what john newmeyer wanted from the uh, from the from his point of view
0: Wonderful. Well, in this production, we obviously have these two different worlds, the water world and those of the, the people who are on land. How does the music support that, that, uh, the disposition of these two different worlds and, or, or acknowledge them?
1: Uh, on the uh, b- very basic level, Lera had this idea that uh, two instruments would reflect the mermaid's two different worlds, uh, the underworld, under the sea world and the, her life on, on land. And uh, she picked two instruments to reflect those things. One is the, the violin, which is very prominent, and you'll hear that right at the beginning. He plays a solo, and uh, all the way through the ballet, he's a very prominent role as she dreams of the, the, the earthly world. And the other instrument she chose, this is what we have here, the theremin, which uh, is her otherworldly uh, persona, the, under the sea, the more fluid, more gentle, perhaps you'd like to say, um, persona that she has there.
0: Wonderful, and that's a great shift. Uh, if you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with principal uh, conductor and um, music director Martin West, as well as theremin player Carolina Ike. and this is a wonderful shift to you. Can you tell us about this unique instrument?
2: Yes. Yes. Um, the theremin was invented in 1919 by a Russian physicist and cellist, Leon Theremin. So that's why the instrument is called the theremin as well. And um, yeah, it's the first electronic instrument um, which was invented ever. So after this, mm, there was Aunt uh, Matanor. Um, and um, later on, the MOOC synthesizer. So, the serum mm. is really the beginning of all the electronic instrument. What we have today, also. Yeah. Well,
0: it's such a unique instrument. How did how were you first exposed to it? When did you see it? When did you hear it? And how did you know it was something you wanted to investigate?
2: I mean, I started to play the piano first, and the violin, and then just came the theremin. I, mean, <laughs> I think uh, my parents, um, yeah, got the idea, and then. They just thought, yeah, I should try it. And I liked it, so I just play it until today.
0: Wonderful. So can you describe to us how it works? Because it's it's so unique.
2: So you see um, there are two antennas. The one antenna, um, which goes up, upwards, And there's the other antenna, uh, like a circle. So... The right antenna from my side is um, for the pitch. So when I come closer to the antenna, the pitch increase. I can just show you a simple glissando. That sounds quite scary already. <laughs> So The audience
0: was mesmerized. I like their faces. So that that's
2: why it was used in actually in like uh, horror films or Hitchcock films, um, um, like Spellbound. and. Right.
0: It can be heard in The Machinist, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And what many of us probably don't even know is in The Ten Commandments, that famous movie. The Theremin is actually played in that movie. Yeah, it's in the soundtrack.
2: So, yeah, but so back then they um they didn't use that sound. they used like I can show you uh, another sound, much more close sound that would would sound like that more, and uh, used a lot of vibrato
0: <laughs>
2: something like that. so but let me explain the other antenna first. Um, this is the volume antenna. So when I um, go away, then the volume increases, And so I can make like articulations, short staccato-, staccato tones and yeah, it works like that. Yeah, so... And now uh, you maybe have the question, okay, how does she do that? Because I mean, I don't have anything what I touch, or there's, yeah, there are no keyboards or no keys, and no, there's no string and anything. So I need something else to, to rely on, and that's just my hand, what I, what I have. So I just kind of um, yeah, measure with my hands the tones, and I have to tune the instrument, the field to my body, and that I do like, I, I find the in the air mm-hmm. with a closed hand. And when I stretch the hand, then I would like to hear the octave C.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that was quite good. <laughs> 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 i didn 't expect that because I mean uh, so if you 're in another uh, surrounding, then you have to, the pitch f- uh, field changes, so you have to adjust first, so, but that was luck <laughs> right and, uh, so
0: I, I think exactly um, because this instrument is is um, sensitive is it is it the electromagnetic vibrations of the person?
2: It's, um, the antenna is sending an electromagnetic field. So if you... I just told it, Tony, if you come close to me, you will also uh, yeah, play music.
1: Okay.
2: Wait a second. Can you do that again? I have okay. to switch it on. <laughs>
0: Tell me when you're ready. Now. Thank okay, you. You ready? Uh-huh. Okay.
2: <laughs> so I, I've been told I had that effect. I talked the, talk the world... <laughs> I talked about with uh, a saxophone player before. So that <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, l- let me do a quick segue. Martin, so when this instrument, when you found out this instrument was part of the orchestration for this piece, did you have familiarity with this instrument? It's so rare. I've never seen or heard of it before. And, and is there anything special about conducting it?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I, I had heard of it, but I'd never seen one.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and I knew I'd heard one because... The first time I heard it was on the Beach Boys' song uh, "Good Vibrations." That's where I knew it from. Um, But I didn't know any players, and uh, one of my orchestra members uh, uh, put me in touch with a a local uh, theremin player, uh, Robbie Ach, And I invited him to my office to to play for me and give me a demonstration. And I asked him if he would be interested in playing in the in the Little Mermaid. And he said, "Well, of course. It sounds fantastic idea. I've heard it's very difficult. Can you show me a part?" So I did. And uh, he took it away, and uh, about a week later, he was very honest, and he wrote back to me and said, I can't play this. This is, uh, even though I, you know, without being too uh, immodest, I'm I'm one of the better players in America, and and I can't get anywhere near this. And as far as I know, there's probably only two people in the world who can play this. And one is Carolina, and the other was uh, Lydia, who was Carolina's teacher. And so I wasn't (laughs) left with much choice. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) Luckily, uh, Robbie actually knew Carolina and he was very, very kind and got in touch with her directly. And uh, and uh, fortunately, it all worked out with Carolina's dates because she's extremely busy. And uh, we managed to get her here from, I think it's Sweden, isn't it? you live there? Yeah, so I mm-hmm. so, uh,
0: so she's playing in every... every uh evening every performance oh
1: yeah she's played every performance just like in fact uh, your other question is uh, anything special about conducting her um not really not in terms of what did i do because uh, she, in essentially she's just another instrument in the orchestra but uh, what i will say is uh, it's extremely easy conducting Carolina because she's absolutely flawless mm. and uh, since uh, she's come here i don't think she's put a, a, a note wrong so it's been a wonderful joy to have her in our orchestra
0: Right. This is such a fascinating conversation. I want to invite you to join me by asking a couple of questions. But before we do, Carolina, we know that you can make sounds, but in fact, you can play songs, you can play notes, yeah. it's very distinct. Can you, you, you want to give us a little bit more? I,
2: I wanted to show you actually something uh, right. after I explained the octave thing. So now that I got this, um, let me try again. I can play. I can simply play a scale just by moving the fingers and not my arm. So that's... Yeah, so... And um, that's how I do the melodies. So um, this, I, I call it finger positions. So I have different finger positions for different tones. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so then you have to count to get your melody.
0: And do you, how often do you practice? Do you practice every day? Do you, or do you just... You have it um, down...
2: I don't know. I mean, I I, um, have to practice my viola also. So,
0: All right, wonderful. Um, I want to invite the audience to go ahead and ask some questions, either of uh, Carolina Icke or um, Mr. West. Yes. In playing the instrument, can you close your eyes or is it visually dependent? Good question. So can you close your eyes or is it visually dependent to... for you to see the relative position of your hand to the uh, different um,
2: antennas? I mean, I can close my eyes. There's one important thing is that my body should not move because every movement changes the pitch. So when I have my eyes closed, I probably will move more. Mm. And I should not play, like, next to the antenna. So it should should be really straight. Otherwise, I will always have a uh, a different tone. Um, The uh, distances between the tones will be different.
0: Does it change if you perspire? If
2: like, it, it, what?
0: <laughs> like if your hand is moist or something? Um, no, it,
2: it probably just the feeling. Yeah. Like when you have, yeah, yeah. It's same with the yeah. violins. you can't just can't play when it's okay. Strange.
0: All right. <laughs> yes, sir. Wonderful. So The question is to Carolina. So what other productions and and projects are you involved in that keep you busy? And and what's unique and special about this particular production?
2: Okay. First, um, my main thing, what I do right now is just studying the viola. But I play with the ceremony in a jazz band or I play contemporary music. And... Yes, special about uh, Lera Auerbach I'm really happy that there is a part in the orchestra for the ceremony and um, when I play I just, I'm just i just thinking about um, the mermaid's movements and the water so that I um, yeah which which um, um, the ceremony um, the voice of yeah, the mermaid like
0: that, that actually is a very good point Mr. West so do the instruments You
1: call me Martin
0: Okay thank you <laughs> I go back and forth. Do, do the instruments represent the characters? Do they represent mood? I mean, does the theremin represent the mermaid? Does it represent a mood? Does it represent... Um, and the other inst- key instruments?
1: Uh, uh, it's a good question, and I don't really know the answer. I don't think, I'm not necessarily sure there is an answer to that. Um, just as the ballet uh, and the visuals will will elicit certain responses from different people, I think the music will do the same. For me generally it 's more uh, it 's often what the mermaid is thinking about that gives her the, the feeling so when the mermaid dreams of being back in the sea, the theremin comes back and and uh, it 's a complicated um, thing, especially in this production because the poet and the mermaid are essentially the one person as well uh, in in some senses and so uh, we use she uses the violin also when the poet is is on stage and very much part of it as well so and often they play together. So the theremin and the violin will play together because she wants to be on both sides of the world. So I think um, you just have to listen and, and make your mo- own mind up, really, to be honest. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. Is
0: the music memorized, or do you have to read music while you're playing? Good question. Uh, for you, do you read music uh, as you're performing, or do you memorize it?
2: Um, I Just normal, like everybody else, like G-Club or um bass. Base club? Do you
0: right. say that? Yeah. So, she has. She has a. <laughs> if you look
1: at the Thurman part, it just looks like another any other part. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. I've got some question way back here. Yes, gentlemen on the aisle. So the question is: Can you play staccato, and how many octaves is the range? Okay.
2: Um, I just showed her staccato, but uh, it's like moving the wrist really uh, fast. And the range is, um, yeah, it's, I I, I like to say it's it's even bigger than the piano, so I can play really low. And really high. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so fun. once again, we are interviewing uh, conductor Martin West and Carolina Eich, the theremin player. I see a gentleman way over on the side there. When was this instrument invented?
2: Uh, no, I think this mm-hmm. instrument, 2005.
0: Um, this particular instrument. Yeah. And the uh, theremin itself, 1919. Nineteen, right,
2: right. Said. So this is like a new version, a new model, mm-hmm. which... Um, Robert Moog uh, designed.
0: Wonderful. Uh, I found out a bit of history when I was researching this, and that was uh, Leon Thurman actually didn't get the patent until what 1928, because there was nothing that was preceded it. It was an electronic in- instrument. They didn't really know what to do with it, and they were like, they weren't sure. So apparently, it took several years to get the patent for this. Interesting little tidbit. We have lots of hands up. Uh, see the young lady right there. Excellent question. So, since it's invention, how has the theremin changed, or how has it evolved?
2: Um, um, I mean, it looked, in, in the beginning, it looked like a, um, like a wooden box, like really big, and um, the sound has changed. I mean, now we don't have the, I don't know what's that in English, uh, tubes, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, there are no tubes in it anymore, so the sound, the rich sound has yeah, it's changed in something more modern, I think. And um, about the playing technique, um, now before you can imagine, it's like on a violin, you're going up, and um, it's the distances between the tone are getting um, smaller. And with the new instruments, you can you have a knob where you can change the registers. So you have kind of like on a piano, you have the distances between the tones quite the same. Mm-hmm. So that's much more easy to play, of course, for, uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yes, we're over here. Mm-hmm. Where are you placed in the orchestra? Is it the same on everything you play? Where are you placed in the orchestra? And that's kind of a good question for both of you. Uh, Martin, Is does it matter where she stands and where she's positioned?
1: Well, in this position, uh, this particular piece, we put uh, just next to the saxophone player and in between the saxophone player and the piano. Um, there are some uh, requirements that Carolina needs. Uh, for she has a half a monitor so she can hear herself play. And uh, you can see, possibly some of you, uh, there's a monitor, a loudspeaker just there, which is where her sound comes out of. So, and that needed to be put somewhere that uh, was practical and couldn't be in the middle of the orchestra. Um, but uh, just like when we're setting up the orchestra, we try and find the best place for everybody to sit. So. There's nothing special about the Thurman in that sense.
0: Good question. So do you have a preference for where you stand in terms of orchestra, orchestra um, no, position? No, it's just
2: when I play so- solo with an orchestra, I, I just stay normally like bet- uh, next to the conductor.
0: Mm-hmm. Also. But you do have feedback. You have, a, you have a, 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 what do you call it, a feedback? monitor, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very important. Yeah, like
2: that's that. very important.
0: Very good. Uh, yes? Wonderful question. So, is it easy to travel with the theremin? How do you? Uh, is there a case? Does it does it completely disassemble?
2: Um, yeah, I can put it together. I can take this apart. Mm-hmm. So I have like a cabin baggage, um, yeah, size mm-hmm. bag, but it's heavy. This one especially is heavy. So it's like um, 12 kilo. Yeah. So the rest is for my clothes. <laughs>
0: Now, I would bet that some, at some point in time, traveling around the world as you do, people would say, uh, what is that in this mm-hmm. case? And really question That's why you. I check
2: it in now, so before okay. I...
0: <laughs> Obviously. Okay, so let's, let's keep going. We have time for a couple more questions. Um, yes, all the way back over here. hmm Good question. Do the sound vibrations from the other instruments, and I would suggest the other uh, um, musicians, affect the theremin? No. No.
1: No. <laughs> well, the sound vibrations are not electromagnetic, so they won't make an effect. But if, I suppose if the musicians got up and started walking around, then it would. Right. <laughs> Luckily, right. they're, they're right. very well behaved in my orchestra. They don't, right. they don't move around.
0: So if someone were to try to get close to her, right. we would know it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we would know it. Okay, a final, a final question. Uh, it's so hard. Let's, what do you, what's, what's your question? When you fly with your uh, machine and put it in uh, and you check it through, do you have a backup in case it's damaged? Right. Uh, you, actually, yeah, oh, sorry. It's okay. Sorry. Do you have a backup instrument in case it's damaged? How many instruments do you travel with?
2: One instrument, but this is not mine. So it happened right this time that uh, something broke. So I had, uh, luckily, I could borrow some of the friend, of a friend. Yeah.
0: I'm actually. We've come to the end of our time because I want to be really respectful because Martin West is conducting this evening. And I want to give him time to get ready and get set up. This is something unique in the Meet the Artist interviews that we have a chance to, to meet these talented individuals and to get a demonstration like we've had. And I just want to thank uh, Martin West and Carolina Ike for being here. Thank you all. Yes. Enjoy you. the show. Thank you.